It's 5.43 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn. And now we're looking at a new initiative from EPF, iSayang. We're just doing a quick segment on it. So iSayang enables husbands to voluntarily transfer 2% of their EPF monthly contributions to their wives' accounts, uh, which is something that can't be cancelled except in the case of divorce or unless the recipient passes away. This was launched by the PM during the International Women's Day 2023 celebration in KL. Uh, It was attended by the Women, Family and Community Development Minister, the EPF chairman um, and the CEO by the way was, who was also there Datuk Sri Ameh Hamza Azizan said that this is part of EPF's ongoing efforts to further expand the social protection net to family institutions encouraging wives to have long-term savings as well as gaining access to social security and income security that EPF members currently have um, he also said that the ISANG initiative is in line with the government's commitment to empower rights and take care of women's welfare and this is part of the, the question of unpaid care work and where the burden falls, right? Because based on the Malaysian Labour Force Survey Report 2021, uh, 4.95 million or 68.3% of the female population in Malaysia are not in the labour force and therefore do not have social protection coverage. So I think that deserves a wider conversation, although... Although the question of how much ISANG will help considering that it's on a voluntary basis or whether it is just the beginning of a conversation about how we can compensate people who do this sort of care work, I think is an interesting one. Anyway, what do you think of ISANG? Are there other ways we can support the people who contribute unpaid care work that's you know so crucial? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note to 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking with us now on this is Melissa Ahir from Kemban Collective PLT, a feminist consultancy platform. Melissa, thanks for speaking with us. So... As mentioned, the EPF has announced iSayang that enables husbands to voluntarily transfer 2% of their monthly contributions to their wives' EPF accounts. What have responses to this been like? Have people shown an inclination to participate? Yeah, um, as a social protection policy, of course, uh, we are hearing word on the ground that there is some idea of such an effort before. And uh, what was positive received before is also still positively received now. However, uh, of course, there's a lot of uh, arising questions. So, for example, on 2% and on the word voluntarily and also taking into account the realities uh, because we've all heard all of the conversations beyond just housewives regarding how much is remaining in the EPF, uh, all that we've gone through all this while, regarding lockdowns and recoveries. So uh, how much is even in the EPF for uh, the amount to be voluntarily transferred uh, to wives? And I'll stop there first, but there are other questions uh, that every uh, a lot of people have been posing. And for a bit of background, EPF did say that about 2.4 million housewives in Malaysia are unemployed or outside the labour force and therefore aren't covered by any form of social protection. Can you tell us more about what this means for housewives? Yeah, so um, as what I mentioned, uh, when previous initiatives similar to this was announced before, uh, it was positively received because despite having like one of the core or main duties, in terms of what is within a household. So uh, while taking care of all manner of care work in the home, while taking care of all parties inside a family, 
uh, most housewives do not have a direct uh, amount of money coming into them, let's say monthly. For, and these are the live realities. So it means a lot if there's a consistency, if there's a stability to all the care work that goes unpaid. And when we say care work, and when I said everyone in the family, so this includes um, elderly care, nutrition, even transportation and childcare, because this naturally in Malaysia, we have to admit the reality that most of it falls on housewives because of the perception that they have the time, but they also don't have the uh, pool of uh, the financial power. Uh, so the opportunities to provide something that directly goes to them is of course uh, positively received. Um, however, uh, there's some things that also must look at the realities of each. Let's say what is a family and uh, what is a partnership within a family. So let's say uh, there may be many uh, examples because we are an aging population here in Malaysia or for example, unmarried women taking care of the entire family. So maybe they are not included in the idea of a housewife, uh, the definition of that, and uh, whether uh, they receive any form of financial compensation for all of the care work that they do. So um, although this is a good start, I would like to say that maybe we need to look uh, more in depth, more of the disaggregated data regarding what each household and the care work falls on whom within that family. Uh, beginning with the housewives, uh, let, let it not be mistaken that I'm against the, the effort. This is a good uh, announcement, but it must be matched to all the, of the realities on the ground in Malaysia, as well as uh, beyond urban uh, arrangements of housewives. So we need to look at all of the realities. The broader aim of this initiative is to provide the opportunity for wives to have long-term savings. And if we look at the data, how do women's retirement savings compare to men's? Why is there a gap here? Yeah, so let's look at the, um, there's a lot of research and unequal uh, inequalities in terms of earnings. So if uh, we look at the circumstances, uh, again, naturally, there's been a lot of research, including by Kazana Research Institute, that showed that women of a certain age are the first to uh, be burdened with caring for their household, which would mean uh, giving up certain career advancements. So when you don't advance, uh, the easy point is you don't earn more and all you have less years in which to build your savings in ETF. So that's number one for former uh, workforce. Number two, if um, even if it's informal form of work or sources of income, perhaps this is, uh, again, there's a lot of research, not just in Malaysia, but also in other regions all over the world, that uh, when a certain amount of money is given to women, a lot of the money goes elsewhere to everyone else in the family. So they, it doesn't just go into their savings. Uh, women, a lot of women prioritize their own children, their own children's education, uh, food and uh, elderly care, even amongst several siblings, some may be men, some may be women, it may fall back to the women. So I'm trying to say, because of societal norms, all the norms in a family, a lot of, uh, let's say, money flowing out falls upon the woman, which would make their savings lesser 
than a man in those uh, same in the same family even in uh, sometimes within the same partnership even so there's uh, layers and layers of uh, ways in which women put their money and their efforts and this is where uh, they may lose out in terms of EPF and monthly and the range of how much they put in each month. And this extends not just to married women, but also to single women caring for everyone in their families. Okay, so on to some of the the larger sticking points. Considering that this is voluntary, how effective would it be? Um, Within Malaysia, if there are any incentives in uh, circumstances, there's many, for example, uh, income groups, that may find this harder to reach the 2%. And in fact, if we also look at uh, in terms of income tax payment and things like that. So uh, we need to look at incentives and the realities across income groups. So for example, um, those from a higher income record, if we compare, for example, how much income tax that they pay. uh, So if you include the 2% cap, um, automatically, maybe that is less of a burden for them. But maybe there's an incentive, especially in terms of businesses, uh, when businesses show that they themselves are putting in this as an investment. But if you go to the lower income group, um, of course, if people are struggling, if it's hand to mouth, uh, there may be a resistance to the 2%. And then we need to uh, see whether there's an incentive, whether there's a matching amount that can be done. And when I say matching amount, for example, if there's a a percentage that is a contribution from the government, so it shows and, you know, now it is March, right after International Women's Day, so maybe the government wants to put, um, the the, other than just announcing that everyone else has to pay 2%, the government is also investing in women, who uh, acknowledge that they've been putting in unpaid care work. So if the government pairs together with those that are less able to afford the 2% as an automatic uh, amount going in uh, each month's income, so perhaps that can be a motivation or there may be other forms of incentives. It doesn't necessarily have to be financial. Maybe there's certain things that helps them within uh, their businesses or other form of uh, childcare and so forth. So um, I think it must be, as a matter of a, a government policy, it must be shown where the government is also uh, trying to move together with uh, the public, uh, the, the taxpayers, in terms of recovery. And, uh, and the fact that this goes straight to um, housewives or anyone else that is putting in the main care work in each family uh, means a lot and would help Malaysia recover a lot, I think, uh, for all households. So there were plans to start this on a voluntary basis and then to gradually transition to making it compulsory. How would this actually work and how would it be beneficial? Yeah, so there is a hard question. And in terms of uh, policy, we need to look at what is attractive, what is uh, matching with uh, people's realities uh, in making their lives easier, if I could just put it simply. So incentives, again, can be financial or can just be benefits or exemptions on certain things that are uh, a burden. So maybe we can have a look at what are, because we know that Malaysia has one of the uh, highest household debts 
uh, percentage all over the world, maybe we can look at that, maybe we can look at uh, terms of alleviation of these debts so that the 2% or so forth can move to the housewives. And as we know, this will trickle whenever uh, women benefit, the whole family benefits usually in terms of the spending. So uh, again, when, when I say incentives, there's a big question mark there. And maybe we need to be to diversify. We need to, um, it's not one size fits all. We really have to match uh, specifically to the, to the specific uh, needs of each income groups, each household, each geographical location even sometimes. Because if you're in a situation facing, let's say floods right now, your realities will be slightly different from some area with the uh, top 1% within the country, for example. So really, we need to look at um, the haves and the have-nots or the in-betweens and match it uh, in terms of incentives. In closing, let's talk about the fact that only wives can be recipients of this. What did you make of this gendered approach? Yeah, um, I think we also need to look at, again, what do we mean by families? So post-COVID, there's also some situations with child-headed households. So for example, the parents have both passed away and uh, there are some teenagers taking care of the entire families. So that could be uh, even a teenage girl or a teenage boy sustaining the entire families. So we need to look at these situations and some are also bordering on urban poverty, for example because of uh, all the suffering that we've gone through within uh, COVID uh, realities. So recovering from that, losing uh, core uh, wage earners within the family, we need to look at this. And uh, again, we have an aging population. So uh, who is involved in the elderly care work? So I'm trying to say, although gender-wise, uh, there is wide evidence that women are uh, the main ones who should be receiving um, like the monthly EPF contributions because it naturally always falls on the mother to take care of the children, uh, which shouldn't be the way. And you, I think you know of a recent survey of public perception where they were saying if uh, men take care of their children, it doesn't, it goes against ideas of masculinity and things like that. So these are bigger societal issues. Um, there may be a gendered uh, dynamic to this. We need to look at why the perception of masculinity is like this. We need to look at what is positive and match it to, in the end, who is taking care of the care work. Is it as a result of the patriarchy? Or even there are young men who are struggling. Uh, there are young women who are taking care of everyone in the family. So we need to look at um, examples, actual case studies, um, actual action learning on this. There were some academic studies, but we really need to update them to the current circumstances and um, the very evolving idea of a family. So that's why I brought up regarding the teenagers being head of the households just now. But I think we need to be more dynamic and not be so stereotypical idea of a family and care work. Melissa, thanks so much for speaking with us. That was Melissa Akir from Kemban Collective PLT, a feminist consultancy platform, uh, talking about EPF's I Sayang initiative. Let us know what you think and keep it here, BFM 89.9. 
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.